Balance Right, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs and agency owners looking to grow their business in a healthy, sustainable way. I'm Heather Zeitzwolf, CPA. I serve this community with coaching, profit advising, and virtual CFO services. Please join me as I talk with leaders in digital media, branding, advertising, design, marketing, and SEO. Hey there, welcome to my show. This is Heather Zeitzwolf. I'm so glad that you're listening to this podcast. So this is the premiere episode. And for this one, I figured, eh, rather than me interview somebody else, I'm going to let somebody interview me, just so you can kind of get to know who I am. I happen to be on a podcast of a friend's, and it's Brian Cargill who interviewed me. And I was talking about my 10 pitfalls for creative entrepreneurs. It's a handout. You can get it online. It's a PDF that you can download, and that'll be in the show notes. You can check that out. So in this conversation, we kind of dive into that handout that I created. There are some really good nuggets in there, I think, if I could pat myself on the back. But anyways, you can check it out now, and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, talking about the 10 pitfalls, um, maybe do you want to just start with one? Maybe what's your favorite or the, the first one in the in the top 10? <laughs> uh, so one of my very, it's not really my favorite, but unfortunately, it, it's kind of like the starting piece. And that is that I see uh, so many times entrepreneurs, especially if it's just one person or maybe they have one employee or they hire um, assistants or virtual assistants or contractors. But one of the things I see them do is to not keep their books and, or they, if they do keep their books, maybe it's a relatives that's keeping their books or they're using some kind of software that they don't really understand. And really to grow your business, you have to start with really good books because you have to have good numbers. Otherwise, you have nothing to base that off of to figure out if you are meeting certain benchmarks or um, if you want to track certain KPIs. But I know with working with creative people, not all of them are number people. I, I happen to be like one of those people that's like creative and I have a brain for, for data. I love both. But I understand that the people that I work with may not be in that same case or they might enjoy the data, but they get really scared by the whole financial accounting piece of it. That's why I don't feel like they should have to do that. Like they should hire someone like me or a bookkeeper or somebody to help them with their books. So that's that's the number one thing I think. Start with that and then we can kind of go through the next the next phase. But if you don't have good books, it's really impossible to grow your company at all. Yeah, it's kind of hard to know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. And yeah, using those metrics, using that data to your advantage. Um, and then, yeah, you talked about the, why is this a problem in the creative industry? Because a lot of people, yeah, they're focused on the creative, they're ho- focused on the art and hope that things kind of pan out. Um, I think this episode is going to be as much of a talk for myself as well, because, <laughs> you know, I, I like to hope that kind of things will fall into place. Uh, but I know that there is advantages by looking into KPIs uh, which are key performance indicators and, and seeing using those as a beacon for where you're going to go in the future. For Things that I find with creative people is that they, they the only reason why they're doing their books is because they have to do a tax return at the end of the year. And really all your finances really should help drive your business and all the decisions that you make. You want to be able to be 
instead of reactionary, be proactive throughout the year. So if the only time you're really looking at your numbers is at the end of the year when you're doing your tax return, that's too late. Like you've already, you, you now can't, I mean, you can kind of go back and look at your history. I mean, that does have some, you know, use, but really you should be keeping track of what's going on and then forecasting what will happen. So you really need to know like what's in your pipeline. So you know what kind of cash flows that you're going to have. So you can gauge like, can you afford to bring on a contractor on a job or do you need to charge more for a job? Or is there a lot of scope creep that's coming in and that you need to like talk to your clients? And But without measuring anything, you'd have no idea that all this is going on. I mean, you might like in your head kind of like feel it. Like it might be a gut feeling, but you don't have any data to back it up. Yeah, the intuition is there, but it might not be reflective. Maybe you can tell people what, what are kind of your first steps with, with folks when... Because if you're creative, yeah, you can either try doing this yourself or you work with someone like yourself, Heather, who's trained, who's well organized, who has gone to school for this, who is who's very good at what they do and finds enjoyment in it. What, what does that first session kind of look like? Um, if you want to work with me or, you know, other accountants or whatever. For me, though, I do what they call like a discovery session, which we'd sit down and right now would probably be done through Zoom for the most part. And I do have an office here in Portland, but I do work with people across the United States. And so we would just do like a Zoom chat and kind of get to know each other. I would look at whatever books that they had, if they do have books, and then we'll see how we can work together. I offer several different tiers depending on the size of the business. So, you know, I understand that some people might be just in that that early phase, a bootstrap phase. And so I have a a plan that works for that. But then, you know, if you have more employees and that that in itself brings on a whole other slew of issues when you have payroll and all of that. So there's, it's a more higher touch uh, set of services that I uh, have for those people. That's awesome. So you can kind of help, yeah, grow alongside folks as they're at a smaller stage up to that midsize mm-hmm. organization. Maybe we can help people identify what makes you unique, Heather. Uh, what's what's your favorite part about what you're, you're able to offer your clients? I am definitely different and unique. So I'm not the typical boring accountant. I know that we, we are sort of, sort of stereotyped to be that like buttoned up, suit and tie kind of person. And I'm I'm totally not that. When people meet me, they're like, you're an accountant? Like what? One of the conversations that I have over and over with people is that, they are they feel intimidated by their accountants and they feel afraid to ask questions and they'll tell me that when they've worked with accountants in the past where they've left their office being like okay i am so confused i have no idea what's going on i don't even know what they said to me and it makes it so that clients are afraid to ask questions and and one of the big things that i think creative people have is they don't understand their numbers because they've never really been explained how how do i even read a financial statement i mean it's confusing and uh, accountants use all kinds of jargon. So I think I bring to the table a, a, a sort of a down to earth kind of nature that uh, I'm going to work with people. And I understand that it can be extremely confusing and I want to you know, speak your language. I'm a creative person myself, so I jibe with these people. <laughs> so they feel like they're kind of people and yeah, or, or people's creative uses for like kind of standard nomenclature for a business. I'm sure you've heard all kinds of things and <laughs> that's great. They're able to kind of see, yeah, see people where they're at and have empathy and yeah, be, you're supportive of, of where they're at learning everything. 
Um, yeah, I've, I've used your services and I've been very appreciative and very, yeah, you didn't make me feel stupid at all, even though I'm sure, uh, there are such things as stupid questions sometimes. And I'm sure I've asked a handful of them, but <laughs> yeah, you know, but I don't think there are any real stupid questions to, cause to me, it's like, if you don't understand something, you should be able to feel comfortable to ask and just verify and um, totally just make sure open I- that way. Um, and just kind of get that clarity. Yeah. I can vouch. I can vouch for you too, that, that you, you made me feel, um, yeah, you, you empowered me. I think I, you walked away uh, peace of mind and empowerment. So, Hey there, this is Heather. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also a CPA and profit advisor. I help creative agencies grow in a sustainable manner. Right now, I'm offering a complimentary healthcare check of your business. So if you go down to the show notes, you'll see a link and you can sign up. All right. Now back to the show. Number one, you have not having enough cash and reserves as uh, something that I think a lot of small businesses struggle with, especially you're seeing the the ramifications of that right now. Exactly. Yeah. So um, just to be clear, some of the stuff that's on the list, we've actually kind of jumped to uh, inadvertently. But yeah, yeah, that is actually after not having uh, good books, this is the next really big thing, because unless you have enough money and reserves you may not be in business for very long if something happens like a pandemic or um, or even payroll. You could have a lack of something in your lack of jobs coming in. You might have accounts receivable that people have not paid. There's all kinds of reasons why, you know, rent increase or whatever it is, you want to have cash on hand. And when I say cash, I mean like not inventory, not accounts receivable. I'm not talking about having credit cards and a line of credit. You need hard cash. <laughs> you need cash to have, is king. Yeah. <laughs> some cash in the bank. And really you need to have at least three to six months worth of cash. And when I say that, that's like based on your expenses. So if you had fixed expenses, if you still had to pay people payroll and you had no revenue coming in three to six months. Uh, so you want to look at all your big expenses. Another big expense besides like rent payroll now is software because everyone has to pay monthly fees for all their software. So, you know, just kind of looking at all the things that you spend money on each month and just try to set aside three to six months. And you can also look at your revenue as well as a gauge. And that's like 10 to 30 percent of your uh, your revenue for the year you'd want to have set aside in the bank. So you can kind of use those two gauges. Gotcha. Okay, that's really helpful for folks. And right now we might be at a stage where people are trying to start building up that reserve again. Maybe they've wiped out their reserve mm-hmm. uh, during this time. Would you just recommend as people are starting to build up their reserve, start like cutting costs on everything, re- live like really lean. And then once you have about that three to six months, you might be able that's the tough part is that, like you've been if you've been le- living so lean for so long and then you start gradually uh, getting more subscriptions, more software, it can creep back up to you again. So you're l- kind of living this balancing act. Do you have any tips for fi- folks there? Yeah, you get, I, I think you just never let up on the, the acting lean. <laughs> I don't think that you should. Sp- I believe me, I see people spend money on all kinds of things that uh, I'm just like flabbergasted how much money they'll spend. One of the things that I see people spend money on that really is not necessary is meals. Like mm-hmm. they, um, take people out for meals. They spend a lot of money on meals where they'll treat their employees. And I I understand that. I mean, you want to have an atmosphere that's really 
fun for for your workers. But if you can't afford it, then you shouldn't be doing that. Another thing I see is like wasted uh, software. That's another one. Uh, having a space that you really can't afford. So you're spending lots and lots of rent. One of the nice things about, I guess, the the whole COVID thing, if you could say nice things about it, is that people are working from home. And I think that companies are now seeing like, wow, we can actually utilize this in our own business where it's like, we don't have to have a space, a fancy space that we rent. We can save money on rent and have people work from home. There are issues with that, of course. I mean, there's lots of issues with that, but from a, you know, an expense perspective, it's a lot, <laughs> you could save a lot of money. I, you know, if we're just talking about businesses in Portland, the rent has just gotten just insane. Just think how much money you'd save that. Probably save your three to six months pretty quickly if you didn't have to pay rent. Another thing would be, as sad as this is, maybe you have to lay somebody off. You really can't afford to have all of your employees. But again, if you're not really gauging that stuff and running the numbers, then you'll really, you won't know if you need to let somebody go or you may, maybe you need to hire somebody because you, you have so much stuff in the pipeline, you really can't afford it. Yeah. And is that kind of where your expertise would come in is maybe if someone, hey, hey, we're thinking about letting someone go because we just don't think it's going to work in the budget or making that decision to add to plus up your team. That's when they could consult with you. Yeah, exactly. So I provide uh, monthly reports. I can do all kinds of forecasting, which will look to see like, can you afford, we can do scenarios where we can figure out like put in like, okay, if you hired this person, if you got these jobs in, what's that going to look like? And yeah, I think that's great. And uh, I don't know, just, just for the sake of, because I'm with another creative person, just talking about how visual charting is, I think important, especially in the creative industry, being able to visually see any kind of data uh, makes a world of difference. Yeah, it's amazing. Years ago, to do all this uh, analysis with dashboards and all of that required lots of pieces of technology, Excel, Excel spreadsheets and stuff. So I'm able to connect with people's QuickBooks files. Um, if they use Zero, I can connect with that as well and then run the data that way. And then also I can integrate non-financial data by exporting it from their software. So if it was like um, some kind of time tracking software or whatever, I can export that into Excel and then integrate that in with my other reporting. And, and so we can look at KPIs that are financial and non-financial KPIs. That's awesome. That's great. I think a lot of people probably perked up at that because yeah, beyond the financial, yeah, if they have other uh, information that they're tracking, cross-laying that with what they already have um, out there is is meaningful and actually really helpful for organizations. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned some of these on, on these softwares that people are already, you know, accustomed to using. Sounds like you're pretty well versed. I know for myself, you've used FreshBooks too is another, but I think you're leaning towards QuickBooks and Zero because of the functionality that those programs provide. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they've just, they're just more robust. I mean, I'm, I'm not affiliated with any of these software companies, but it's just, it's my preference. You could just do a lot more with them. Yeah. Um, just jumping around on this uh, top 10, uh, skipping number two, but going to number three, I think is kind of interesting. Uh, and, and something I think a lot of small business owners struggle with, especially as you first start making money and you want to reinvest. But that number three tip is not paying themselves enough as small yeah. business owners. So you, you, and you have some stats here. Do you want to kind of talk about that tip? Yeah. Yeah. So the one that you skipped over though, too, is not sending enough money aside for taxes. <laughs> like the one that nobody wants to talk about. No one ever talks about that until like March, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> when April 15th starts getting closer is when you start hearing about taxes a little more. <laughs> okay, so now let's jump into the third one, which is setting aside enough money for yourself. So here's the thing. Entrepreneurs, uh, this is they're notorious. It doesn't matter what industry. Entrepreneurs are notorious for not paying themselves enough. They pay their vendors, they pay um, their contractors first, but then they don't have anything left over for themselves. And uh, granted, when you go to do your taxes, you want to have the the lower income as you know, lowest income as possible, so you pay the least amount of taxes. But really, you want to be getting money out of your business. What you should try to do is pay yourself first. So before everything else, if you can take at least 30 to 50% of your um, gross revenue, that is what you want to try to do. Now, depending on, you know, if you've got um, employees, if you're an S corp, I mean, there's all these different things that will play into that. So this isn't just like a set thing, but just if it's just your, just you solo entrepreneur, you really want to be trying to get 50% of your um, gross profit. I know that's really tough, but <laughs> yeah. So what happens? It gets, it gets closer. Yeah. Um, you try to. So what you want to try to do is pay yourself first, and then whatever's left over, then take a portion of that out for taxes, and then the rest is what your expenses should be. So if your expenses are more than that, then you're actually spending way too much on expenses. Yeah, and I think that you 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 had a a sentence or a nugget that I've heard a lot and throughout time is uh, paying yourself first, and that's still especially true in a business as well. Oh, yeah. You want to pay yourself first. You know, if you're just a solo entrepreneur, that would be a draw from the company. But you can uh, you can do it uh, like just set the money aside for yourself, um, put it in another bank account, however you have to do it. Hey there, this is Heather. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And if you are, if you wouldn't mind, please hit the subscribe button now. That way you'll never miss an episode. All right, now back to the podcast. Just talking about maybe, I think what gets people really excited is like your passion for uh, maybe the creative industry. What what, what do you think um, you know, brings you over to the agencies? What, what What's the draw there? What makes the, the creative industry different than a lot of the other industries out there? Well, for one thing, I'm a creative person. So to me, it's like I talked about, these are more my people. Uh, like I was mentioning, I have a degree in advertising. And so to me, this, uh, this is just like the perfect niche. And what's different is that you have this sort of dynamic of these really creative people that have usually a real strong passion for being creative and they want to bring that passion into a, a business. And a lot of them are very visionary entrepreneurs. And so it's just a more exciting niche to be in. Yeah, it's easier for them to get creative and visualize the future, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, one of the things that's on my list, though, is like not having a clear vision. Uh, I should probably explain. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, I saw that. On, I think that's coming up here pretty soon. But yeah, I would love to hear um, not having a clear vision, is, yeah, because if you don't have one, you're kind of drifting out there in the ocean, right? Yeah. So I think what happens is creative people do they do have big ideas, but they don't have it like set down in paper. Like, okay, what is it really that they want? Like, maybe they think like, oh, I want a cool office, I want to have a team of people, you know. But they don't really know like ten years from now, five years from now, really what they want. What you want to have is a super clear vision, so you know where where you're going, and then 
reverse engineering how you're going to get there. You might want to have like a big board where you're like thinking about these things, like what's my vision? And then kind of like, okay, chunk it out. So look at if we work back five years and then five years from that, and then what are your goals and how are you going to get to the benchmarks that you've established for yourself? But unless you have a clear vision, you're just kind of aimlessly going year to year and you have no idea like what you're leading. I like that. And you kind of talked about like reverse engineering, which has become a little bit more popular term in the last uh, (laughs) decade here. But yeah, picking out what we are, where do you want to be and working backwards. I also mentioned in my my handout to have smart goals. So you want them to be specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Part of being an entrepreneur is that you are going to fail and you have to be okay with failing. But I think also like having a coach or somebody else that um, can hold you accountable while you're trying to pursue these goals is a good thing. With an advisor like myself or a coach, somebody that can sort of be there to push you. I think I read a stat that was like, if you write down your goals, you're like, 40% 40% more likely to achieve them. When you have a coach or a, a, guide, a guide, an advisor or someone that's guiding you, you're something, it increases up to like 70% more likely because you have someone that's holding you accountable. And then also you, you're probably able to help them uh, realize what is achievable because you, you work with a lot of other businesses out there. Um, so you've seen some other models, you see what's, uh, what does work and you're able to bring that expertise to the table for them. Uh, Okay, well, just maybe we can go through one more tip and maybe we can talk about how, what's the one thing that entrepreneurs can do to increase their business, but what, you know, just for the sake of the episode, what's, what's one last tip from the top 10 do you think we should, should cover? Um, put some processes in place. I know that people hate process. It really can help you be more efficient in the work that you do, especially if you've got a creative firm and you have new hires and you want to have good utilization and all of this. And really, you have to have a process and recording those processes. And now with video, though, it makes it so much easier to record processes because you don't have to do like boring flow charts and all that stuff. You can actually just record a video of all the steps to do and it really does help new hires to get on board a lot quicker. Everybody should do it the same process. Like, I mean, if you come up with a good way of doing something, uh, new hires shouldn't be like coming up with their own method of doing something. If you know the best way that's most efficient to do it, then you should have some sort of process. And if it's, I've just found that, you know, if it's written down, people probably just put it in a log and then put it on a shelf and they never look at it. But with video, it's a great way to train new people. And at least it's engaging and, and you can pause it and watch somebody do a task and you know, I mean, most stuff is done on a computer anyway, so you can just do a video of it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm always a big fan of video. I think yeah, it is engaging. You can do voiceover and uh, you can talk to the audience and yeah, really slow it down. Something, yeah, because sometimes if you just have like a uh, a flat sheet with the instructions, sometimes they miss like a little detail that takes you from one instruction to the next. So the video, you're able to like, yeah, really just see that in real time and like said, pause it. Yeah. Uh, Well, anything that we haven't covered, Heather? We did talk about KPIs and I just really think that it's super important to be uh, proactive in your business rather than reactive. And like I said, the only way that you'll know that is if you keep track of your numbers. This has been great having you onto the show talking about, uh, I think you, you do bring a new light to financials and make it really fun. And 
easy to understand and your own personality shines through when people get to work with, they're not just working with any regular old person. They're working with you, Heather, which you provide a great experience for people. Heather, thank you for uh, bringing the energy, the enthusiasm. Thank you. That's a wrap. Hey, this is Heather. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you found value in the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave me a rating on iTunes or just simply tell a friend about it. And if you're interested in learning more about my profit advising and coaching, please set up a discovery call by using the link in the show notes. All right. Thanks so much and see you next time.